Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast where we focus on all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To find more information and to get resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. 
Hey, y'all. Welcome to Session 5 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. I appreciate you tuning in for another episode and really appreciate all the conversations I've been having with you over on social media. It's been really cool to see how you're taking in the information and sharing it with your circles. So please keep it up and remember to use the hashtag TBG in session. So today we have another on the couch episode, and I think you'll enjoy this episode just as much as you enjoyed the Being Mary Jane episode. So today you'll be hearing the conversation I had with licensed independent clinical social worker Jahan Medjoon. Jahan is the owner of the Fulfillment Project in Washington, D.C., and she is passionate about working with women who want to do the following things. Find relief from depression, anxiety, and past trauma. Learn how to relax and cope with stress. Identify blind spots in relationships. Gain clarity about career, passion, and purpose. And cultivate self-acceptance and self-compassion. Jahan earned her Bachelor's of Science degree in Family Studies at the University of Maryland College Park and then earned her Master's of Social Work at Howard University. So Jahan and I talked about a bit of a throwback character. Um, So we talk about Joan Carol Clayton. And those of you who are Girlfriends fans will recognize her. So if you have not caught up with Girlfriends or if you're a little young and weren't um, of age to be watching Girlfriends when it was on the CW, you can still catch it. Um, So some of the episodes are on YouTube. And then I believe seasons two through eight are on an app called CW The Seed. Um, And all this information will be included in the show notes so that you know where to find it. Um, But it was really a stellar series and really, um, you know, like was one of those things where you got all your girls together and everybody sat together and watched Girlfriends. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode. So Jahan and I talked about a couple of different things. We talked about um, some expectations of what our lives should look like. And we talked about the use of art therapy when working with clients. We also talked about some of the difficulties we have as women about saying no and setting boundaries. And one of the main struggles that Joan had, which was this pressure to um, have your life look a certain way by the age of 30. So I definitely think you'll enjoy this conversation and I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback after you listen. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jahan. Thank you for having me. So tell us which character you are going to be talking about today. So I'll be talking about Joan from Girlfriends, which was a TV show, I want to say, in the early 2000s, centered around um, four women of color uh, in Los Angeles. And they're all kind of in their like late 20s and everyone's, you know, at different phases in their lives. And Joan is a lawyer. She's really smart. She's a leader. She's one of those people who looks really good on paper, is a very good friend, but she's like the go-to person for her friends to like fix their problems, bail them out. And on top of that, she feels like she needs to be married by age 30. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's got a lot on her plate. <laughs> right, right. So tell us, what are some of the things she's struggling with that you think might lead her to therapy? So she's tired of being, you know, that go-to for her friends. You know, she's tired of bailing her friends out. Um, You know, she struggles with finding time for herself. 
and really has problems with setting healthy boundaries and being as being able to assert herself effectively and communicate what her needs are, particularly in relationships. So not only with friends, but within romantic relationships. Um, and so she's feels like she's kind of hitting a wall in terms of people meeting where meeting her where she is, and she feels like she has to settle for what she has. Got you. So how often would you say you see someone like Joan in your current practice? So I see this type of client very frequently. Um, I am based in Washington, D.C. So, you know, D.C. culture has kind of conditioned people to be very career driven and always be looking for their next move and be in a relationship, just have like every uh, checkbox marked off, career, family, relationship, like everything has to be perfect. And that can create a lot of pressure on someone and can be, you know, very intimidating. And unfortunately, it can turn into kind of a comparison game where you're always looking to someone else to see, okay, like, they feel they seem like they've got it together why don't i have it together what's wrong with me and the expectation is that you can't fail and you know you have to be uh you know seen as worthy in someone else's eyes oh okay so that definitely is something very interesting i think we want to touch on more um so you're kind of also alluding to like this FOMO culture like fear of missing out and so so talk with me a little bit about what that might look like um in your practice so if someone was coming in kind of doing all of this constant comparison and things what kinds of things would you do with them in therapy so i think part of it is um you know, when we're looking to other people to dictate like how we should be, we don't really have a very strong sense of self. We don't know, we're not very clear on, you know, what is, how do we identify? Like, how do we show up in the world? Who are we? Like, you know, what are our values, our beliefs, our interests? You know, what are the things that like um, make us curious and you know, inspire us and give us hope because we're like so busy looking at people's Instagram feeds and, you know, which is all very, you know, glossy and, um, you know, picture perfect. And so that um, is like a never ending game. So um, being clear about getting clear about, you know, who you are and who is the person that you want to be. And, and learning to accept um, the person that you are and like learning how to be your own friend, to enjoy your own company, um, you know, to feel um, strong about what you believe in and what you value and, you know, learning how to um, let that person show up in relationships instead of the person that you think should show up. Got you. So what are some exercises that you might use in therapy to help them to kind of get closer to this goal? So I love to use art. I think art is like a great modality because it taps into 
kind of your unconscious feelings. It's all very intuitive. And that's the thing that, you know, people who are struggling to be themselves are not using their intuition. Um, And so it's being able to tap into that kind of inner wisdom that we all, that we all possess. And art is a great way to experiment with that. You know, kids are, you know, always, you know, down to color and, you know, experiment with paint. And that speaks to their, you know, just, you know, spontaneity and natural, you know, freedom and just, you know, not caring. And so being able to let go of like social constructs and, you know, things that limit us. Um, So I love to use art. Um, And then, you know, I'm definitely someone who um, likes to use body-based interventions. Um, A lot of people are disconnected from their bodies and live in their heads. And so being able to tune in to your body and 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 be able to sense like okay how does my body feel like you know when I'm in um you know overwhelmed like what's going on in my body and figuring out okay if I feel this sensation what does this sensation need what is it trying to tell me or um get my attention around and being able to listen to that and say okay I need rest or you know, I'm feeling anxious, like I need to ground myself. So, you know, that's another part of my work with clients is being able to incorporate mindfulness and being able to cultivate their ability to be present um, in the present moment. Um, And I do that through breathing exercises, grounding techniques, um, and just being able to tap in to your wisdom within. Wow, that sounds really powerful and wonderful, yeah. Jahan. <laughs> so I'm wondering, um, from your experience, how easy is it to kind of get some of your Black women clients to participate in those kinds of like body intuitive exercises and things like that? So um, I think it all starts with the relationship um, that we have with one another. And I think, you know, something that I always tell people is that we heal in relationships. So, you know, I may be your therapist, but this is, this is a healing, uh, you know, relationship where you can practice, you know, being yourself and letting go of, you know, um, things that hold you back. and. Um, so being able to like develop that rapport with that person and, you know, just being able to feel comfortable and establishing a sense of trust and safety. And so when there's safety, people are able to kind of let their guard down, let their walls down um, and be able to kind of be more experimental and be more kind of flexible um, and willing to try new things. 
Got you, got you. Yeah, I was definitely thinking, um, you know, because you you talked a little bit about the DC culture, right. um, which I'm thinking um, really requires people to kind of always be on and yes. kind of always be operating at, you know, tip right. top shape. And right. some of the things that you're mentioning trying to do in therapy would require them to really come out of that mode. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes it's just focusing on the breath, you know, just pausing for a minute and just you know, listening to the sound of your breath, you know, is, does it feel constricted? Is it shallow? And what is that telling us? Um, and you know, the, you know, breath is life. So, um, I think people are able to kind of make that connection that, wow, yeah, I am really anxious and, you know, I'm not breathing and I really need to focus on this um, to better uh, experience life. So you also mentioned um, that Joan could use a lot of help around boundary setting. Yes, yes. So, so talk to us about what that would look like in therapy. How would you help her to set better boundaries? Sure. So um, looking at, you know, what's okay and what's not okay. Like what is your yes and what is your no? And, um, you know, I think a lot of people have a negative connotation with the word no. So looking at, okay, what words, images, feelings, uh, symbols, um, maybe memories that you associate with the word no. And sometimes people will come up with, you know, things in their childhood, maybe things, something, a, a memory that they had um, in a, you know, dating scenario and you know the resulting feeling was like you know negative and so they now feel afraid to say no to people so looking at like how do they view the words uh, no and yes and you know looking at okay how does that impact their ability to set appropriate boundaries and like getting clear on what is there no? Like, are there things that you've been wanting to say no to, but fear that people will abandon you or reject you because you'll say no? So like, what do they see as the repercussions or the consequences of saying no and saying yes? And being able to kind of get a really in-depth picture of what that really means to them. Um, and um, you know, once they have that clear picture, you know, they're able to be aware of, you know, why they're having certain feelings or why they're feeling pressured to say yes when they really don't want to say yes. Um, and how that can create, you know, a whole host of, of feelings like resentment and exhaustion um, and how that's really impacting, you know, their self-care and you know, also their, um, their self-worth, you know, if I say no, will this person value me? Um, will this person like me? Um, and really determining, okay, what's most important here? Um, so being able to look at what people's, you know, uh, priorities are and what's really most important in those moments. 
Yeah, I do think that's important to look at. And I often hear with some of my clients, the idea that um, saying no means that I'm going to be hurting somebody's feelings. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Are there other, are there issues that have come up around that? You mentioned um, fear of abandonment and fear right. of not being liked. Are there other reasons people give you for being afraid to say no? Those are the, the, the top ones. I mean, I think, um, you know, some people fear that, okay, maybe I'll lose my job if I say no. So it's like, okay, you know, if I say no, will this person, you know, view me, uh, you know, as not being a team player um, because I want to be up for a promotion. And if I say no, I may not get that promotion. So, um, you know, it does have, there, there are some real fears around the word no, um, but I think it's important to kind of really like, you know, dissect that and really look at, okay, um, what does this really mean for you in your life? Got you. So the other thing you mentioned related to Joan was this pressure that she feels to be married by the age of 30. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know. There's something about like when, uh, for a lot of women, you know, when they're in high school, it sounds, it feels like, you know, they imagine, you know, their future lives. And it's, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'll be married by age 25. And, you know, I'll have kids at this age. And so they've like scripted their entire lives. And, and, and it doesn't include any kind of adversity or challenges, like everything's going to be good. So there's all these like very like rigid expectations of how their life is supposed to go. And so when it doesn't, um, when that expectation is not met, then anxiety ensues. And it's like, I'm not meeting my timeline. I was supposed to be married by, you know, this date. It's not happened. What's so something must be wrong with me. Um, and you know, a lot of that is, um, you know, societal um, constructs that kind of help inform people. And, you know, also, you know, social media um, is also not helpful. You know, I think a lot of my clients, you know, will scroll through, scroll through their Facebook feed and see like all these like spring and summer weddings coming up. And, you know, they, internalize that is well why don't I have that and why am I not getting married um and internalize that as something deficient with themselves and um thinking that a partner is is like the marker of you know success and you know life success and that a partner will then make them happy and fulfill their needs like they can't um separate like okay this is my relationship and this is me it's like all one and the same I can't be happy until if and when I get married and have kids you know and and have the house you know with the dog um so it's it's like this um kind of you know, dependent relationship. My happiness depends upon if I achieve X, Y, and Z. When happiness is is attainable in in any moment, um, and not in these kind of like status 
um, statuses that people put out there. Yeah, that definitely is a big thing to try to break through. I mean, the the societal yeah. constructs that have been developed for us around um, marriage kind of being the ultimate goal. And right. no matter how much success you've had academically or career wise, it really kind of boils down to like, okay, when is she going to be married with some kids kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and a lot of times that really starts with family. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's a long held belief. Yes. So, so what kinds of strategies would you even be able to use to kind of chip away at some of that in therapy. So I think, you know, you mentioned a really great, um, really important uh, part of this is family. And, you know, families um, are where we learn, um, you know, what we value and what our beliefs are. So looking at the, the family of origins, you know, what did that your family value growing up? And you know, what beliefs, you know, were, um, you know, promoted within your, in your family. And are those beliefs and values something that you want to carry on into your life or something, or are, are some of those beliefs and values uh, some, that something that you want to leave behind? Um, so looking at that and like, okay, what are my uh, what are my core beliefs? So you can kind of, you know, split that into positive core beliefs and negative core beliefs and look at, okay, which ones, you know, do the negative outweigh the positive? Um, and looking at, okay, how does that, how do these beliefs impact my self-esteem and my self-worth and how I see myself um, and how others see me as well. And so, you know, that's, you know, takes some processing and, you know, just some dissecting, but I think it's, it's a really important lesson. Absolutely. And you also mentioned, um, you know, kind of spring and summer wedding season. Yeah. And, and that definitely was a prominent theme on Girlfriends, right? So yes. um, when Tony got engaged and preparing right. for the wedding, I mean, Joan really had a very difficult time like with yes. that. And it caused a lot of friction in their relationship. Right. So can you talk maybe a little bit about what that might look like if you have like some jealousy around a friend who seems like she's kind of having all the things that you'd like to have and how right. you might manage that? Yeah, I think the first way to kind of deal with that is having self-compassion for yourself and saying to yourself, okay, this is a difficult, this is a difficult moment for me. Um, and this is difficult for these reasons. Um, and identifying, you know, your feelings associated with that. Um, you know, so if you're feeling jealous, okay, so if someone's feeling jealous, um, there's an unmet need there. Um, jealousy is a feeling um, when a need is, uh, when a need has not been fulfilled, right? So what need um, is needing to be met? So for someone who's jealous, that need might be, um, a relationship or a closeness or intimacy or, um, you know, understanding. Um, 
you know, it could be a number of things and being able to look at, okay, what are my feelings and needs in this moment and being able to, you know, get clear on that. Um, being able to be aware of your thoughts and feelings so that, you know, you're not um, putting, you know, your negative uh, feelings and being triggered onto your friend. Um, and that's where, you know, this is where self-compassion really plays a really big role um, because it's hard. I mean, it can be really triggering when you see someone, you know, finding the very thing that you want in your life um, and being having to accept that, okay, I don't have that right now, but it's not something that I won't ever have, you know? And so being able to um, positively affirm yourself and, you know, speak intentionally and affirmatively about the things that you do want in your life. I really like that because I think the self-compassion piece we often miss. um, and, And we don't want to sit with the fact that it can be a very difficult time, you know? So I feel like there is already like a lot of shame, like, oh, I shouldn't feel jealous and, you know, I should be happy for my friend, but it's also okay for you to feel really sad and disappointed about what may not be happening for you. Yeah. And that's the thing about shame is that, you know, it's often felt in secret. And so, you know, you, if you acknowledge it, you know, and you bring light to it, then you can actually heal it and overcome it so by you know recognizing okay this is hard um this is you know uh, gonna be a hard situation for me to kind of get through but knowing that um that your feelings are normal and that it's okay that you have those feelings and that you know you not judge yourself um we can be really hard on ourselves so um compassion you know, is, is essential here. Absolutely. So are there other issues that you um, saw Joan struggling with that you felt like you wanted to talk a little bit more about? I think, um, you know, I think, you know, the boundaries is really big. I think, um, you know, being able to tune into uh, your uh, feelings and needs, um, you know, relying on you know, your inner wisdom or your intuition is really important. Um, You know, I think for Joan, I think, you know, I think we all have like these kind of learned responses when like things get overwhelming or we're stressed out. And I think, you know, looking at Joan is maybe looking at, okay, what are her coping skills that have worked for her in the past and being able to um, utilize that, you know, you know, kind of like putting together her coping skills toolbox and being able to teach her new coping skills that she can integrate. Um, You know, when life gets hectic, you know, there's, there's life is full of ups and downs and different challenges And the more options she has to be able to respond to those challenges, um, the better she can bounce back and be more resilient. Um, 
and feel, you know, good about herself and ability to handle and manage like, you know, life's um, stressors. You bring up an interesting point about the coping strategies because it seems like one of Joan's coping strategies and probably in some ways in her life this worked and in some ways it probably was not super effective, but she definitely was a bit of a control freak. Yes. (laughs) So it seems like when she really got stressed, she would really kind of throw herself into kind of trying to take control over something else. So can you talk about like how that might be effective, but then maybe not so effective? Yeah, I think, you know, the feeling of being out of control um, can be very anxiety provoking for people. So, you know, trying to throw themselves in being productive or maybe some, you know, destructive behaviors um, can take place. So looking at, okay, what behaviors like, so if, if she's, if she's engaging in, destructing destructive behaviors or unhealthy behaviors okay what function do these behaviors serve for me you know is this a way for me to like mediate my anxiety um and to like self-soothe myself um and so if that's the case okay i'm doing this in in an attempt to soothe and mediate my anxiety what are some other alternative ways in which I can mediate my anxiety. And so that's where like the other coping skills can come into play. But this all has to start with, you know, observing and being a witness to yourself and observing how you interact in these types of situations and being able to like pause and say, okay, I'm feeling anxious. I'm getting ready to do this like not so great um behavior um let me slow down let me do some deep breathing and let me make a better choice here i love that i love that so you have already offered us so many tips um but are there (laughs) are there any other tips that you might have for our listeners who may be struggling with some of the same things that joan struggled with i think it's always important uh and this can, and anyone can do this is just being able to tune into your body, tune into what is your body trying to tell you, you know, how do you feel physically? And, uh, you know, if we don't feel good physically, uh, chances are we don't feel good emotionally. So, you know, looking at, okay, what, what is trying to get my attention? You know, like just being in tune with your breath and, you know, the signals that your body gives you um, and being very attuned to that. Um, I think, um, you know, we have a tendency to push through things and ignore, you know, little aches and pains, but those little aches and pains are, uh, have a lot of information in them that, that are really important for us to know. So just listening, um, So I think, you know, and and being curious about yourself, you know, just um, having an attitude of curiosity about how you interact with people. How do you talk to yourself? How do you deal with stress? Um, How do you care for yourself? And, you know, I think starting there um, is, is a good step in the right direction. 
Got you, got you. So are there any um, resources that you might suggest for our listeners? Any books that you love to kind of refer to or websites? Yes. So um, I uh, love all of Brene Brown's books, The Gifts of Imperfection, uh, Rising Strong. Um, I also really love Kristen Neff's book called Self-Compassion. Uh, which I think we all really need. Um, you know, the world is full of snap judgments and, um, you know, harsh criticism for people. And so just the, being able to look at, you know, how do you talk to yourself is really important. Um, and another one of my favorites um, is Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. Um, she um, has a wealth of resources on her website which is terabrock.com and she has meditations and lectures um, in addition to the books that she's written. Um, and I on my website have a list of, you know, book recommendations um, that people can um, look at. Um, I've recently have gotten really into podcasts, I want to say in the last couple of years. So um, I really like uh, the Relationship Alive podcast. Um, it's hosted by Neil Satin, and he interviews a lot of um, therapists and relationship experts, um, you know, about a whole host of topics from emotional manipulation, um, you know, to like how to build better communication with your partner. Um, so I think that's a great uh podcast to check out another great podcast um actually um that kind of targets women of color is called black girl in ohm um and that's om like the yoga ohm um that's a really great um podcast they also have a website with a lot of great resources and uh women and women in depth um, and that's hosted by Lourdes Viado. She's another um, therapist based out of Las Vegas. And she uh, also interviews a lot of uh, therapists and other, um, you, know, uh, you know, helping professionals um, regarding topics related to women. So I think those three uh, podcasts are really great to check out. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think. Uh, you know, just being able to, um, just being able to be open um, to the different resources out there is really great. And looking at like what's going on in your local community and what workshops might be um, available um, is a great way to kind of get involved and touch upon some subjects that you might be curious about maybe before you, you, um, go into therapy or, you know, you're thinking about therapy, um, I think these podcasts are, are great ways to start that process. Those were some amazing resources, Jahan. I had not heard about a lot of those, so I have to check those out myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed them. And these will all be included in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about trying to write all of this down if you're listening. Um, I'll include all of these in the show notes. 
So tell us a little bit more about your work. I think that you have a pretty amazing website and I think that your practice is a very cool thing. Um, so your practice is called the Fulfillment Project. Um, yes. So can you tell us a little bit more about your practice and where we can find you all across social media? Sure. So um, I started the Fulfillment Project um, uh, for two reasons. One for myself, because I was searching for fulfillment in my own life. And I wanted to be able to, um, to be able to give that to other people to help people find their own life's fulfillment. And fulfillment can come through many different ways. But I think the, um, the most important way is to come through your own your own fulfillment, you know, being happy with yourself. Um, and so uh, my work uh, revolves around working with women uh, in mostly in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And, you know, working through all of the issues that we've kind of touched upon today, you know, you know, building a strong sense of self and purpose, um, looking at the things that you value and looking at your belief system, you know, looking at the things that are blocking you um, from change. Um, and I mean, when I talk about change, positive change and, um, you know, doing that through, you know, building uh Relate relationships like building a good relationship with each other so that you can transform your relationship with yourself and then in turn transform your relationships with the people in your life. So, you know, I as I think I mentioned before, I, I use art, I use cognitive behavioral therapy, I use some elements of you know, some body based interventions, and um you know, enjoy also using, um, you know, any kinds of means in which, you know, you express yourself and being able to bring that into the therapy room and, you know, work through uh, the things that are important to you. Wonderful. And what about social media? I know a lot of people will want to kind of look you up after they hear this. So where can we find you on social media? So. Uh, on social media, I have uh, Instagram and Facebook pages under, it's just The Fulfillment Project. And I have a Twitter account, and that's at LifePointsBlog. And yeah, that's all of my, that's, uh, yeah, there's so many ways you can get in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And I'll include those in the, sh the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much, Jahan. This has definitely been an excellent conversation. I think that our listeners will be able to get a lot of great information about what you shared today. So I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So as you heard, Jahan and I had a great conversation about a lot of the issues that Joan struggled with, which are some of the same issues that a lot of Black women are still struggling with. I'd love to hear your feedback about the episode. Let us know what you thought. Remember to find us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Therapy for Black Girls. And you can find us on Twitter at Therapy for the number four B Girls. And if you have any questions or feedback, you can also send us an email at podcast at therapyforblackgirls.com. 
Looking forward to continuing this conversation with you real soon. Take care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 